Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in her space. The inner child just keeps coming up at all these different phases of my life. And it was just so, it was just mind-blowing to me to have that experience in therapy, sharing that those personal details, and just to know that you can make it so far and still internally have so much healing to do. And yeah, it was just, it was deep. It's work. It mm-hmm. is. It is. And trust the process. Trust the process. Right. Because I definitely wanted to like leave for a little bit. I'm like, oh, she was like, wow. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're, We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist. And Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Okay, ladies. So today, recognizing that we are, as this episode is airing, not necessarily when you might be listening to it, but when this episode is airing, we are within the month of May, which is National Mental Health Awareness Month. And so what we want to do today is kind of kind of walk you through that process of what therapy is like and what you can expect and what things you might need to advocate for when you decide, when you make that decision that you want to address your mental health. In previous episodes, we've talked about anxiety, we've talked about depression, and we've also talked about ways to like address certain things. Like we have a whole episode on self-care, right? We also have episodes that dive into confidence or conflict and relationships, sexuality, all of those things might be reasons why you decide to go and seek the services of a mental health professional. So today, we want to kind of give you a guide on how to seek those services. I'm going to start us off with our quote of the day. When we talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. That quote comes to us from Mr. Rogers. Well, T, when you think about mental health, because I'll acknowledge, I I will be upfront and transparent that as a mental health professional, I'm biased. I encourage any and everybody to seek the services of a mental health professional. My friends and family will tell you, I have no problem saying, You think maybe you need to go see a therapist for that? (laughs) Or I'm not your therapist. Oh, that's a good one. 
And so I, I acknowledge that when it comes to this particular topic, I have a bias. What do you think, T, about mental health and seeking therapy? Well, I will say my opinion on this has evolved. I know growing up, this was something so far-fetched. It was only, therapy was only something I saw white people do in Lifetime movies. I watched my mom, I'm like, oh, you going to therapy? That's crazy. And you just think of this image of like, oh, this person laying, you know, lying on the therapist's couch and they're just talking about their problems. And you're just like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Right? And now... I think for me, it's crazy that I've been through so many traumatic experiences. I had this crazy life, right? And didn't start going to therapy until I was in grad school. And I remember going to this woman in Salisbury, Maryland, where I was living. And it's interesting because I kind of thought that that experience was what therapy was. It wasn't a very good experience for me. I was with a therapist that she actually talked a lot about her life and what she was going through. And I was like, I wanted to say... <laughs> I really want to say, bitch, I'm not your therapist. (laughs) I'm here to see you. I need your help. But I didn't say that. Um, But it was, I will say it was nice to be able to get, just get shit off my chest that maybe I didn't want to tell people, you know, that were close to me. Maybe I didn't want to be judged. And so having a safe space that was confidential where I knew she wouldn't tell my business or anything like that, that was nice, but it wasn't a good fit. So talk to me about, because there were multiple things that you said in there Mm -hmm. that, I could imagine that that being your first experience with therapy, that would be the thing that would keep you from going back, right? If you're in therapy and your therapist is telling you about their problems and you don't necessarily feel like you have the space to share your own stuff, I could see where you would be like, I'm not coming back. Yes, that. In addition to that, I remember she, I'm very observant. I feel like, yeah, I'm very observant. And so I've no, I noticed that when you talk to some people, they would, they would sort of try to die, not diagnose you, but try to maybe just speak to you in a certain way that you just weren't feeling. And so she would say, I, I might share something and she would just assume like, oh, this is the thing that's going on with you. And it's, mm, it's like, not really. And, and I knew that wasn't it, but it was more so I'm sharing this with you. Um, to just give you some backstory, but I don't really need you to say, I don't know how to explain it. Does that make sense now? So what kept you in those moments? Mm-hmm. What kept you from saying to her, hey lady, nah, this is not, no, this is not what I need. Like basically like what kept you from advocating for yourself in that moment? Ooh, that's a really good question. One, I was in a different place in my journey. I actually... It wasn't until one of my girlfriends recently told me that she got into like an argument or something with her therapist. I didn't realize that it was that type of interaction or exchange. It was, I think sometimes, and I was so young back then, my, I was just in a whole different space mentally, emotionally, self-esteem wise. So I didn't think it was my place. Part of me kind of saw the therapist as the professional, the um, sort of the, not parent, but the the expert, the, the expert, figure. the there you go, the authority figure, and I didn't know that it was like my space to do that. I didn't know I could do that, and I was just happy to be in somebody's chair talking about my problems, and so I didn't, I didn't know. Mm. And yeah, because when I, so when I hear that from the therapist perspective, mm-hmm. what what I hear is that she's trying to like hypothesize with you, yes. right, and. I think sometimes that it may depend on how that comes across. So one of the things that I might say, like if I had been in her position, one of the things that I may have said instead was, so here's what I'm wondering. 
and then put it out there, mm-hmm. right? And so just adding that piece, I think, at least to me, and correct me if I'm not putting it right, by putting it out there, by starting off by saying, well, here's what I'm wondering, um, or maybe this might be the perspective. Like, so just phrasing it in a question first, to me, invites room for you to correct me if I'm wrong. 100%. And my, I've had three therapists in my life, and my third therapist, that's something she did very well, where we talk and she's like, well, I wonder if X, Y, Z, and that gave me an opportunity to let her know what my thought was and where I was coming from, and also an opportunity to consider what she was sharing instead of her just giving me this sort of direct, I guess, hypothesis would be the word. Yeah. So giving you, giving you this directive almost mm-hmm. as if to say, as if to say, well, what I'm saying is the gold standard. Exactly. What I'm saying is the Bible truth. You have to follow what I'm and agree with what I'm saying. By offering the question, it gives you room to be back into the conversation. It puts it in a perspective of being equals Mm -hmm. in this journey. Yes, absolutely. So another thing that you mentioned with this therapist was that they talked about themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how that really made you feel. Now, I will say it's interesting because I've had other therapists do the same thing, but they did it in a way where they were connecting it to my story. And so for me, when she did that, I felt like I'm paying you money for me to come here. And we are on a time, but we have a time frame here. We have a very clear, hard, we have a very hard, a very clear, hard stop time, right? This is over. And so when you're sharing your stories and it's becoming more of a, it's just kind of being drawn out it's sort of cutting into the time that I'm paying for. It's kind of wasting my time because your life experience and what you've been through, the way that she was telling the story, it wasn't like a learning opportunity. It was kind of more like just, oh, that's that. I had the same experience. And it's just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's dead silence. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay. But I did have another therapist that she would share her experience and say, you know what? There's a similar situation I went through. And I actually appreciated hearing her story because I could see how it connected and I could see what I could grab and grasp from her story for myself to use on my journey. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what would you tell yourself back then on how to address that situation with the therapist? I think for me, you know what? I think knowing what I know now, I would probably come from a place of curiosity and just ask her, is it customary for her to share her experiences in the session? Yes or no? Like, is that is that something that, and maybe what is the purpose or what are we trying, what, what are we doing here? I wouldn't say it like that. But I would say it tactfully, but like, what is the purpose of this, right? You wouldn't even, ha- you don't even necessarily have to say it tactfully. I think just a piece of advocating for yourself and asking the question, like, what is customary here? Is this part of the process? How does this work in the process? I think that is key mm-hmm. to not, as the, as the client, to not be afraid to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have concerns about what's happening in the therapy room, it is perfectly okay for you to ask. Yes, and this is super random, but I just remembered. I actually, I've, I've had four therapists in my life. I feel so good saying that. I feel so like liberated because there was a time when 
that was looked at as something that was so like bad. There was a stigma. Oh, you're crazy. But I feel so empowered saying that because I am worthy of getting help for myself because I can't handle all this shit by myself. Life is rough sometimes and you need to consult with someone. And so I think for me, it just feels so good to say that. Not in a not in a braggadocious way, but more of a, in a way of trying to destigmatize the stigma yes. around it. So yes. let people know like, yo, I got it going on. I'm out here doing stuff. And I got, I've had four therapists. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and what? <laughs> and that's how I got here. Yes. Because I've had help. We cannot be on this journey alone. And we shouldn't be, you know, whether it's a hotline or, you know, if you can't go to therapy, they, they, we do have resources on our site. If you go to herspacepodcast.com and click on resources, we have resources there. So there, Dom has talked about therapists offering sliding scales. And so this is something available for, uh, for a lot of people out there. And nowadays we have apps. There is an app for everything. Yeah. And there are apps for mental health. There are apps where you can go online and get guided meditation activities, where you can get different information on how to manage anxiety, how to manage depression. And there are apps that... And because we don't get paid advertisement. Oh, yeah. I'm we ain't going to put no names out there. No, a bunch of names out there. Yeah. But you can find them on our website. Uh, there are multiple apps that you can utilize that will provide therapy. Like, will provide you with connections to live therapists. And, Tom, I have a question for you. Okay. Mm, so, my question is, when you typically begin seeing a new client? Like, what does that first session look like? And what is the goal? And like, what are some of the questions you might ask for someone that might be wondering, like, what do I expect? I don't even know. And okay, I got like a ton of questions for you. That will cover that first. And then I want to talk about the confidentiality piece. Because I know for me, when I first started going to therapy, I was just like, it feels so weird, like telling someone on my business. And then I know they probably have to take notes or like, where is this going to go? All that. Okay, so the first question (laughs) of what happens, like, kind of, like, in that first session, well, I think, so it varies depending on the setting in which you're seeing a therapist, and so you can be seeing a therapist in, who's in, like, private practice, so you go to their office, and it's in an office building or a house or some type of setup like that, or you might be seeing a therapist if, like, where I work, on a college campus, or... If you're a veteran, you might be seeing a therapist at the VA. So there are, and there are lots of other configurations on how we might receive therapy. The general setup is that in that initial session, the therapist is trying to get to know you. But one of the things that I always like to stress to people is that that's also an opportunity for you as the client to get to know the therapist. How? Do you ask them questions? or? Yes. Oh, yes. See, I've never done that before. I feel like they usually volunteer information, but I never even thought, like I never saw it as that, that way. So I think this is so important like that we're having the conversation to share that because sometimes when you see someone as an authority figure, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to sit and I'll do what you say. You ask questions, I'll answer. Like I never thought about what, what would I even ask my therapist? So I constantly tell students to... Like, I constantly say, well, do you have any questions for me? Mm. And usually when I start off the first session, I'll tell them at the beginning that I kind of give them an overview. This is a process where I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. 
Some of the questions might seem unrelated. Some of the questions may seem uncomfortable. But stick with the process. Trust the process. That's one of my favorite phrases. Mm -hmm. Trust the process. And if at any point throughout this process, any questions come up for you, feel free to stop me and ask no matter what the question is, because this therapy session is for you. And so I I constantly try to strive and stress to people that, like you mentioned before, this is a service that you are paying for. Mm -hmm. So advocate for yourself. The therapy is the perfect space for you to try things out that you might be scared to do in your real life, right? Mm. So if you struggle with advocating for yourself, therapy is that space where you can practice. And let's say it doesn't go right. Let's say it's hella awkward. That's the space where you do it. It's hella awkward. You and your therapist process why it's hella awkward. And then you practice until you get better at it. That's what therapy's for. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Oh, this is, I'm excited for this conversation. I'm taking my own little notes and I'm learning. And so I think about, well, you said I, that, mm-hmm. I do want to go back yeah. to, because I, I realized I didn't answer your other question mm-hmm. about confidentiality, yeah. right? And so, but before I get to that, I do want to say that like, generally that first session, we are asking a lot of questions to kind of get to know your background. Okay. In some settings, we have to come up with a diagnosis, especially if, mm-hmm. if you're using insurance and we have to build an insurance company. We have to provide a diagnosis. Interesting. And so we're gathering information to kind of figure out what your potential diagnosis might be. Oh, that makes me think of something. So one of my, my old therapists, um, we were working together and I think my diagnosis may have been like depression and anxiety. And at one point I was doing really, really well. And she basically, it was so interesting to have this conversation, but she basically said that I was doing very good, which was great, but I guess the insurance wouldn't cover it because I now didn't have those same, the same diagnosis that I had initially. Is that, is that sound about right? That might happen depending on your insurance provider. Okay. Yes. We had that conversation. I was like, Okay. I'm like, well, I kind of want to just still come see you because I want to maintain this level that I'm at. But it sounded like based on my insurance and I guess her, what insurance she took, if you were doing well to a certain point, it's like, okay, like you're off to go fly, which is good too. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a great source of sort of empowerment. And I think for me, my goal is always, how can I become self-sufficient? Like I just as an individual, I do not look down on any medications or any continued support but I do want to I want to ideally just be to a place where I I know that addictions run in my family and so I'm very like you know leery of just using things because I know that that runs in my family and I don't want to become addicted to anything and so for me it's always like how can I reach a level of like internal peace or at least gain tools for myself where I can depend on that and get help as needed because I know where it's at but also be able to like sustain myself if that makes sense Yes, it does. And there's a couple <laughs> things within that. Mm-hmm. If we're going to have an addiction, yeah. an addiction to therapy is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If you are doing the work, mm-hmm. right? So if you are using therapy to grow yeah. and you're addicted to growing, I don't necessarily look at that as a bad thing. Okay. And again, I own that bias, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. However, 
my goal, and I can't speak for all therapists mm-hmm. out there, but my goal when I'm working with students is to get them to a point where they have developed the skills within themselves that they don't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. We all have the potential in ourselves. We are all our own experts on our own lives. Mm-hmm. My job as the therapist is to help you tap into that, is to help you reach your inner great, excellent self, Mm -hmm. right? To help you reach your black girl magic. Yes. I want to get back to, (laughs) because I know we keep veering off. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I want to get back to the confidentiality piece, (laughs) right? That essentially, as a therapist, I keep what you say confidential Mm -hmm. right so what that means is that you could come in and there might be things that you don't feel comfortable I kind of this is an interesting thing (laughs) it's almost similar to in the catholic church going to the priest for confession Mm -hmm. right that basically The priest has to hold everything confidential, right? The priest can't share anything. It's between you, priest, and God, Mm -hmm. right? So with therapy, we keep those things. We violate confidentiality if it means that someone someone is at risk, right? So if you tell me that you are, like, you have a plan to harm yourself, to harm other people, if... You tell me about abuse for yourself, an elderly person, or a person with disabilities, then I have to do something about that. I'm what's called a mandated reporter, just like your teachers in the school system, and just like daycare workers. Like There are certain people who are mandated reporters. I'm a mandated reporter in that sense. That makes perfect sense. And so I think I have an idea of the type of, you said you kind of asked like introductory questions to learn about the person and there was something else. Oh, I guess what kind of questions should someone ask the therapist in that first session? Or like what questions do you get asked? Cause I, I'm literally going to use this because I've never really um, intentionally asked questions because I'll usually do research online, look at testimonials, and then they provide information in the beginning, but I never really, I don't really know what to ask. So what would you want to know about the therapist? What would make you feel comfortable being in the room with that therapist? To be honest, I feel like it's all the stuff that they put on their website. So the the situations they they typically handle, their background degrees, all that stuff, um, qualifications, um, any testimonials. I know, let me think. I mean, I guess it might be nice to know if they've been through like a specific situation that you might be struggling with, but that's like the only thing that comes to mind for me. It's just, I feel like this is a door that's just opened in my mind where it's like, I can ask you questions too. Like I, that literally never came to mind. So I'm just like, what, what kind of question, what do I want to ask? You know? And so I think that's the thing. It's like, it's really about asking the questions that would make you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. So I've had people that have asked because maybe like particularly, like I said, because I'm on a college campus, I've had people maybe ask me, well, where did you go to school? Mm -hmm. What are your degrees in? Because even though those things might be available online, 
that might not be not everybody might everyone might not go to the website okay right interesting some people might ask well what is your theoretical orientation so basically like what theories have I do I utilize within the therapy process like how like what's my approach to therapy that's a good one and 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 those questions come from people like oftentimes from people who have done research or who are like in the field of mental health themselves right cool most people wouldn't know and I wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. most people to know to ask those particular questions and but what I say the, the key thing that I really say is Again, going back to asking the questions that will make you feel comfortable to work with that particular person. Mm -hmm. I just thought of a question because I just I had a session last week because I took. Well, I think I said in our last episode, it's a rough time for me. I'm still going through and I went to a session. I've been going to therapy. I went to a session last week and my therapist mentioned to me that she was working through something with her therapist. And I wanted to get up and like shout like they did back in church. Cause I was like, this is so dope because I think it's so important for your leaders and your mentors to have leaders and mentors that they look up to. Your therapist should have a therapist. And the fact that she said that, it just was so comforting to me because what I notice about myself sometimes is that I will, when other people need help, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, get help. You're a human being. Like, go do it. But when I need help, I'm like super judgmental sometimes. And sometimes I don't hold space for myself to get help because it's like, you got to be strong. You've always had to be strong. You've always had to be this, you know, this mother figure role. And you've always had to keep things together. You got to keep it together. And I went to a session. The session I went to last week, it was a little more emotional. And I was just like, I told my therapist, I was like, I just want to say that I'm feeling a little, um, like, I'm feeling very vulnerable right now. So I'm going through a difficult time. And I feel like sometimes when I go to therapy, it might just be to talk. But this is like, I really like, I need a support right now. Like I really do because I don't feel like I can just do it on my own. I need that extra support. I need the, um, I just need that, that extra layer there for me. And so in sharing that with her, she was just saying how courageous it is to, to say that and then to also be there. And I was just like, when she said she's going to therapy, I'm like, oh, that's cool. She's going to therapy too. Oh, that's so cool. It's not just me. Like it makes me feel like I'm not the only one. And so even though we have these conversations and there's stigma around it, sometimes there's a little judgment that comes from within, especially when I really need help. And it's about giving yourself some compassion Mm -hmm. about being kind and gentle with yourself when you need it most. Like you mentioned, we can be our own worst critic, right? But the idea, but going to therapy, what what I tell people is that Going to therapy takes a level of courage, takes a level of vulnerability that it's hard. It's hard. And so as a therapist, like I always feel honored that I've been allowed to be in that space, that I'm the person that you've chosen to share your vulnerability with and I don't take that lightly and so I think that it's therapy is just one of those things that is really it can be really really powerful when we're willing to actually do the work and it's so interesting because there was an article that recently came out that was shared amongst um, some of my uh, people in the therapy world about what our clients are not telling us. 
Mm. You must be reading my mind over there. Uh huh. <laughs> and so, one of the things that, as I'm thinking about this idea of being vulnerable and being courageous, one of the things that I think about is recognizing that a client coming into the therapy room is sharing 45 to 60 minutes of what, a two week, three week, in some instances, a month out of their life. That's only a tiny fraction of their life. So, like, I recognize that I'm not getting everything, but I can only help you with the information that you give me. Mm. So, I can only give you the tools to grow based on what you share. So, if you're telling me, that you're having difficulties in your relationship with your partner, but you're not giving me, if you're, if you're painting a picture that your partner is the only person who is doing wrong, I can only help you navigate that situation based on what you are providing me. That makes perfect sense. And it makes me think about the fact that when I, I feel like this third round of therapy for me was the time when I got super vulnerable, but it literally took a year for me. Like I was going to sessions. I think it was what? Every two weeks I was going to sessions. I was building a great relationship with my therapist. And it's really like any other relationship. You want to get comfortable. You want to just see how much you can tell them and how they'll react because there was definitely fear of judgment. And I felt like this was a period where I went all in and shared things that I had never shared before. And it was so freeing to get that shit off my chest. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm not holding that. And I also got to hear a perspective on what was going on and how to deal with it. But the fact that it took me a year to do that, I was just like, I mean, I know she, I know it's safe here, but it literally still took a year. It took about a year for me to actually like cry in a session because I don't like to cry in front of people. And so it just took a long time to get to that point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be crying right now, but I'm just emotional and it's a sensitive topic. And I think about the fact that you said it's work. And I remember when I spoke to my therapist and I, after a year, started talking about some of the sexual abuse that I endured as a child. And when we started talking about that, it got emotional. I realized that my inner child needs so much healing, which I've been working on. I'm just like, oh my gosh, the inner child just keeps coming up at all these different phases of my life. And it was just so, it was just mind blowing to me to have that experience in therapy, sharing that, those personal details and just to know that you can make it so far and still internally have so much healing to do. And yeah, it was just, it was deep. It's work. It, mm-hmm. is. it is. And trust the process. Trust the process. Right. Because I definitely wanted to like leave for a little bit. I'm like, oh, she was like, wow, we're still talking about this and was making statements about what I was sharing. And she's like, a lot of people, they would just like, they would be ghost on me right now. And I'm like, really? And in my mind, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, people just leave therapy. I felt like this is a commitment. I got to show up. But it's like, no, people do, especially when it gets hard. And sometimes I have homework where it's like, I want you to go home and do this and have this conversation or do this with yourself and process. And it's just like, yo, going back into that stuff that happened to you. I mean, it takes a lot of courage and I feel really proud of myself for being, for doing it with the help, but it really is. It's a lot. It is a lot, and you should be proud of yourself. Thank you. <laughs> kudos to you. Pat, on, pat yeah. yourself on the back because that that does take a lot of work. And sometimes, depending on what you're going to therapy for, 
it can feel and appear worse before it appears better. Mm, so true. And don't give up on the process. I, you know, that's my favorite <laughs> phrase to trust, trust the process that it may feel so hard and there may be points where you are in therapy and you're like every session you're bawling your eyes out and you're like I'm tired this is I, I leave the session feeling worse than when I came in mm -hmm. trust the process and know that if you keep putting in the work it will get better it will get better I think about you know they say what's that phrase that we learned in elementary school uh April showers bring May flowers. Yes. Now, realistically, we know, like, for instance, right here in the Bay Area, yeah. there's showers in May. Exactly. So where are my flowers? Like, exactly. I don't know. Where they at, though? <laughs> but, but what that phrase really says to me in terms of relating it to therapy is that you've got to have the ugly stuff. You've got to get through the ugly stuff to get to the beauty of it first, right? You've got to do the work to get to the other side. And if you stick with it, you will get to the other side. But I get it. I, I totally understand why some people, depending on where you are in life too, I think that's the other thing, like in terms of where you are in life, how that relates to your readiness for change. Mm -hmm. You might enter therapy at one point and it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm here because I knew that therapy was a good idea, but I'm not ready to dive in. I have a laundry list of things happening in my outside world, in my day-to-day -day life that I don't have the capacity to come into the therapy room for one hour every two weeks to dive into all of my trauma and then get out in the real world and tackle my laundry list. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready. Well, you know what? Keep going to therapy. Talk about whatever it is that's coming up for you in the moment, because I guarantee you what's coming up for you in the moment is connected to yes. your trauma, Yeah. right? And eventually, if you hang in there, eventually you'll, like you said, it took you a year, mm -hmm. but eventually you'll get to that space where you are ready to dive into the heavier stuff. Or even if you might not have experienced trauma in your life, you may it may take you a while to really dive into unearthing all of the patterns that from childhood that might be currently impacting your relationships. Mm -hmm. But stick with it statistically what we know is that some therapy is even if it's like your first therapy experience where you said you really did not have a good match with that therapist some therapy statistically is better than no therapy at all and that makes me think about like what are the benefits of therapy right and i think for me some of the top benefits I mean, when you think about the people that are in your corner, right, there were typically like my bestie, my best friend is like the one and only, like she is the my ride or die for years. And so we know everything about each other. That's the person I call like, girl, let me tell you what happened. She's married with, you know, with a kid and 
she's on the East Coast. And so the time difference is crazy. And so sometimes we wouldn't be able to catch up. And then I thought, you know, sometimes it's a heavy burden on her to handle all my stuff. And then we'd be switching baggage, kind of like giving each other advice and it'd be wearing on us both or it has the capacity to do that. But I think having someone that I'm paying that's guaranteed to be there for me and be able to let me just unload my stuff and also know how to listen because everyone can hear your stuff, but everyone may not know how to handle it. And so being with a professional that's there to handle it and manage it and know how to respond accordingly and challenge and support you and all that good stuff. That was really important for me. So having a safe space to unload and not having to wait on my, you know, my friend or my family schedule on when they could talk and having them give like a very lazy or irresponsible response. I think that was key for me. And also doing the work. I'm the kind of person, I'm an overachiever. I just want to get an A plus and everything. And so for me, I have become a lot better and I'm very interested in diving into my shit. Like, I want to know how can we make this Terry person like a better person? Like, how can I be the best me? And therapy allows me to have a safe space to explore that and not be judged. And then I want to think of like a third benefit, I would say. Um, I think the third benefit for me is you get a lot of great language for what you're going through so that you can help someone else, but also you can just have the knowledge and the 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 capacity and articulation to explain what you're going through. Like I was saying, I struggled with anxiety and depression for almost my whole life. I didn't know that's what it was. I just thought, oh, I just have all these thoughts. My mind is just racing all the time. Oh, I get really sad. And this happens a lot. And I stay there for a long time. And when you don't have language for it, it's hard to find uh, a cure and coping mechanism. So those are like my top three benefits of therapy. And I will let those benefits speak for themselves because, again, I'm going to acknowledge my yes. bias in, in, in encouraging everyone to go to therapy and to not be afraid to ask for what you want in that therapy process. If you have a preference, I know oftentimes it feels a lot better to talk to someone who looks like us or who we feel mm. that we can identify yes. with. So if your preference is to see a black female therapist, then look for that. Advocate for that. If they don't have any in your area, it's okay to ask your the, the therapist that you might be seeing, what is their experience in working with black women? Mm. And trust your instincts. If you are working with a therapist, whether they look like you or not, if it does not feel good, have a conversation with that therapist. So before you say, I'm just going to quit therapy, talk to your therapist first. Like a real relationship, because we don't just leave a relationship as soon as it doesn't fit, right? We ask questions and all that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning about one of the biggest unspoken goals of therapy is teaching you how to advocate for Mm -hmm. yourself and creating that space for you to practice the skills that you want to apply Mm -hmm. in the real world. So if you are unhappy with something that's happening in the therapy space, say something, have a conversation with your therapist about it so that you all can work through it. And again, like you said, that gives you an opportunity to practice how to navigate conflict, how to advocate for yourself, and hopefully 
your therapist is willing to dive into that conversation with you and process with you what is happening and why it might be happening. And so with that, I want to encourage everyone to seek out a therapist. Know that you don't have to be in therapy for the rest of your life, but if you are, that's okay too. On our website and in our show notes and on our social media accounts, (laughs) you will be able to find lots of information on how to seek access to mental health professionals in your area. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I release what no longer serves me to manifest what I desire. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, ladies.